0: Again, as we uh, come seeking to learn more of our God, our Savior, this question still stands before us. Who is Jesus? If we're coming into His presence, who is He? That's going to be key for us. I've said that over and over, and there's good reason for that. And today's reading uh, and our meditation this morning will give extra light to Why this question is so important, it will be brought up uh, even by Jesus. So we'll be looking at uh, just uh, four verses there uh, from Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 27. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples... Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. May the Spirit give us wisdom as we meditate on these words this morning. This is the second part of this uh, message that we're in right now, this transitional time in the book of Mark, uh, where we are trying to really dig in to figure out if we really see Jesus for who he is. I don't know if, uh, have you, if you've ever gone to uh, a buffet a food buffet someplace, whether it's at a restaurant or you go maybe to a, a buffet-style wedding reception or something like that. Uh, maybe it was a work gathering, and, and there's this big, huge spread laid out there, and you just get to pick and choose uh, all, all the things that you want. But have you ever been to one of those, and you sit down, and you're eating, and you're, you're with the person next to you, and, and you look, and it's like, I didn't see that. And you're disappointed that you were up there and all that stuff was in front of you. And you you got, it's not like you got bad food. You got to cherry pick from everything. But I missed that. That's disappointing, isn't it? Especially when you go back up and you realize that it's no longer there. We go into those buffet lines and uh, we're usually hungry because they happen around mealtime. And we we have our favorites. Uh, at, at Thanksgiving time, I'm always looking for the pumpkin pie. I'm looking for the mashed potatoes and gravy. Uh, all the other stuff is just kind of icing on the cake, to mix metaphors here. But, but sometimes, maybe in that uh, setting, there was a, maybe it's too early for that, there was maybe a piece of banquette there. And I missed it because I was so focused on the pumpkin pie and the mashed potatoes, and you realize that you had missed what was just laid right out there in front of you. It wasn't hidden. I just didn't see it. We're going to see what that looks like when it's Jesus being presented. And and what people tend to see as they look at him. That's what we've been doing all along here in the book of Mark. We've been getting this growing picture of who Jesus is as he slowly reveals himself to us. That's the way that God has always done things. Slowly, patiently, progressively. When we we read about the creation story at the beginning, God just gives us some... Some broad strokes there and a lot of unanswered questions. And he talks about how he did it and the people that he created and how quickly we fell into sin. And the story continues to unfold and you begin to see that God reveals a little bit more and a little bit more so that there's this growing knowledge for his people and for the world about who God is and now specifically who Jesus is. As he's walking the earth back in his day, so we get to this place now, and like every uh good teacher uh, you you quiz your students from time to time. I never like that either, especially not the pop quiz and that's what this is. This is a pop quiz for the for the disciples, and and the question that we're going to wrestle is with is what's the consensus? That's what that's what Jesus is asking as they're as they're going along. Jesus is asking them, what's the consensus of the crowd? In all that you've seen, in the way people interact with me, who do people say that I am? What's your assessment on who they think I am? See, this is this is actually the easy part of the test. Who do people say that I am? It's, it's much easier to answer for somebody else. So you get these, you get these replies. Well, um, maybe he's... Uh, people, some of the people are saying that he's John the Baptist, which is interesting because John the Baptist has come and gone already. Uh, but this was, the, this was a popular notion of that time that he might be John the Baptist again. We see that when we look at uh, Mark six verse fourteen, uh, King Herod heard uh, of things that were going on. Heard of it for Jesus' name had become known. Be- Herod had heard about this Jesus. Some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That's why these miraculous powers are at work in him. This was Herod's opinion. This was also the the growing consensus of some of the people around there because. Herod had put John to death. Maybe John came back from the dead, and he's now walking in this person we now know as Jesus. This was a one of the common things that people were thinking. Others, others thought, well, maybe he's Elijah. Again, if I mean, if maybe you could make the excuse that John wasn't really put to, dead, uh, put, put to death. Um, although I think losing your head finalizes that. But maybe they were misunderstood and that he, maybe it was somebody else, maybe they didn't know it, so maybe this still is John and maybe they didn't see the two side by side. But Elijah, I mean, Elijah's been gone for a long time now. Um, maybe he's returned from dead. Look at uh, Malachi 4 or 5. This is, this is where people would think that. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Maybe, as people were expecting, Elijah would come back. Because that's what what Scripture tells us. Elijah's going to come back. So maybe this is Elijah, because this one maybe makes a little bit more sense than John the Baptist. Because you remember Elijah, right? He didn't die. He was just taken up. He was a miracle working prophet. And he was just taken up. So with this and with all of that information, it's very likely that he could be Elijah. That was one of the other growing opinions. Uh, maybe it's just maybe it's just some of the other ones. Uh, maybe Maybe this idea here that Elijah is coming back is what uh, John the Baptist's disciples and himself were wrestling with when he says in in, uh, Matthew 11. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples. John had also heard what Jesus was doing. I don't know that they crossed paths much after Jesus was baptized by John. So John's in prison and he hears of what Jesus the Christ is doing and he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Is it possible that this is what John and his disciples were thinking? Questioning? He does miraculous things. Is this the one who is to come or somebody else? Is is it just possibly that he is... Elijah, the precursor, or is he the real one? Even John and his disciples wrestled with that. And and others were saying, maybe it's just one of the prophets. You know, all of them, every one of them, were just, I don't want to say it that way, every one of them were prophets. John, the last prophet before Christ. Uh, Elijah, one of the forerunners of the prophets. And and maybe it's just, just somebody else. Maybe it's another prophet. Which you know is not a bad place to start. It's not a it's not a bad uh, perspective entirely for the crowds to have. Uh, one kind of deals in superstition where uh, one comes back from the dead. Uh, another one believes that because he didn't die and he's promised to return, that maybe that happens. But they're all prophets. There's something uh, to understand about what they were thinking. Maybe, maybe it's just somebody else that's going to tell us. And so far, the consensus here is that Jesus is one of the prophets. And again, that's not a bad place to start. But, but maybe that's the, the limited sight of the crowd so far. They only see him as a prophet. Obviously, he's he's a prophet like Elijah who did miraculous things, but they're still missing a major component of who Jesus wants them to be able to see about who he is. So it's a good place to start, but, but Jesus now... Um, gets to question two and uh, his quiz um, maybe it's this do you do you agree with the crowds maybe that's another way to put that question you've given me the assessment of what the people see in me what's your opinion what's your view how would how would you describe me who? Do you say that I am? This is this is going to uh, give them the opportunity to either agree with or step out as people that are different from the crowds. You've given their answer. I want yours now. Again, this is much more difficult for us uh, because if I were going to ask you about what people think about this person or that person or this thing or that thing, uh, and you could hear what people are saying, but to put you on the spot and say, now I want you to tell me what you think about it. Well, that gets a little bit more intimidating because what if I'm wrong? What if you don't like my answer? This this gets to be a little bit uh, more difficult to answer. what is the growing perspective right now for the disciples? Because if if the disciples would only see as much as the crowds do, they still have very limited vision. And we've been seeing all along how uh, the disciples are, on the one hand, they have an advantage. On the other hand, Jesus just recently rebuked them for being just like everybody else. Don't you see? Don't you understand? And Jesus kind of lets them have it because they don't seem to see yet either, even though they are the closest to him. So if they only see Jesus the way the crowds do, there's an issue. And where Jesus is at in his ministry here as we're exploring through the book of Mark, this is critical now. The reason that this comes up in the questioning right now is because of what we're going to see. This is the transitional point. Jesus is going to maybe turn in a new direction, if you will, in what he's about to show his followers. Because we've we've already seen uh, the crowds uh, when we had this whole uh, imagery of the, the crowds here and the multiple circles and everything, and the further out you are, the, the more you don't see. The, the closer you get to Jesus, the more intently you do see, the more clearly you see who Jesus is. But the question I think Jesus may be getting at is... Um, Do you realize that what he had said before in um, Mark 4, to you, Jesus says to him, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom. But for those outside, everything is in parables. You have been given the key to figure out who Jesus is. So now he comes to that place in this uh, journey with them and he asks them the question, What have you learned so far? What do you know about me that you would say for sure is beyond what I have revealed to the crowds in their limited perspective? And that's where uh, the spokesman for the group pipes in. He's going to be the one that would give the answers, Not that... um, None of them would agree, but Peter often is the spokesperson for the group, uh, quick to rush in and do things, quick to say things, uh, and we'll see that will also get him in trouble. But this this uh, question posed to the disciples is very critical for them right now. For Jesus to be able to use them to uh, reveal him later, they need to be able to have a clearer understanding of who He is. And so this is, this is now the who is Jesus in your life question for them. So what did, what did Jesus reveal? What, what, what did we learn in this story that we can take something from this what Peter Peter gives that answer Peter revealed uh, that Jesus is the Christ if you and, and again this is Mark's uh, very concise commentary on on the life of Jesus when you go to uh, Matthew's account you see that there's much more detail the, the story is much broader and that's maybe the one we remember more just because there's so much more said in it Here, Mark just records that Jesus is the Christ. But in in Matthew, we understand that um, Peter didn't just come up with this. This This was another special revelation that has been given to him, another secret that's been given so that they could use that in their own ministry. To you has been given the secret, and this was now one of those things that has been revealed. Jesus is the Christ, and that's important. Uh, The word there, that word for Christ, uh, is uh, the Messiah. The word Christ there also is uh, the same understanding of the Anointed One. And in the the Old Testament, there are three particular circumstances where people are anointed, prophet, priest, and king. So for Peter to say, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, that means something. It's not just another title that we're going to give you, like Uh, Jesus' first name is Jesus and His last name is Christ, right? Jesus Christ. That's that's not it. Both of them mean something. And for Peter to say, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the the promised anointed one, has a great significance. Uh, And it's a great revelation for them to see that Jesus now stands before Him not just as a prophet, but He is. But he's also that priest, and that will come out. And Jesus is also the anointed king. He is the one from David's root, as we were looking at from Revelation. There is this one that now stands before them that is being uh, revealed to them in ways that are meant to reshape their thinking, to transform their thinking, to uh, characterize their existence. This is now the one who is anointed by God to rule, prophet, priest, and king. Another thing that's uh, been shown to us is that this happens along the way. Verse 27 uh, gives us that indication that as they were going along the way, Jesus asked this question. I think there's maybe more to that than just, hey, we're, we're walking along and I, and I wanted to ask you, as long as we're just kind of walking alongside the road, I wanted to ask you a question. I think because of the transitional nature of where this is happening in the book of Mark, there's this along the way aspect of Jesus teaching his disciples and Every step along the way, Jesus intends to reveal more of himself. And this is exactly what's going to happen next. Jesus is going to begin to reveal the very purpose for which he came. What what lies down the road yet? And as so as they're traveling along the way, it's on the way to someplace. It's on the way to accomplish something. And Jesus is revealing this to them now at this particular place along the way in this journey of Jesus' life and ministry so that they will be able to have a clear understanding, as much as that's possible yet, for the disciples. And we'll find out that even for the disciples, even to the ones that the secret has been given to, this is still very hard for them to understand. And then you get to the end. And let's just read that verse there. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. He said that to the demon-possessed, those that were healed of different things. Every step along the way, Jesus continues to tell the people out there someplace, the ones that he's dealing with in the crowd, don't say anything. And now what he does, as he asks the disciples this all-important question is, when, he's, when they give the answer, don't you tell anybody either. Does that strike you as odd? I mean, isn't this what Jesus wants us to know? I mean, it seemed kind of odd all along the way that Jesus would instruct everybody else not to tell. Maybe maybe he would tell them not to say because we see that they have a limited view. If you just tell people that he's a healer, they're going to flock to him for every ailment that they have. If, If he's only revealed to them as the one who gives you bread and fish, well then, I'm hungry, let's go. But... Why when they have this dialogue with Jesus and they give the correct answer, why does Jesus say now, now that they have more of the complete picture, why not tell everybody? We sing a song from time to time. Go tell it on the mountain. And Jesus is saying, don't tell anyone. And He strictly charged them not to tell anyone. Why not? It's not time yet. The circumstances are not, people are not ready to hear that. In fact, the disciples are not even sure, uh, Jesus is quite sure that the disciples, if they would tell that right now, they would get it wrong too. Galatians tells us that, that the coming of Jesus happened at just the right time. At just the right time, God sent His Son into the world, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law at just the right time. God always does things just in the right time. I hope you've been uh, a witness to that in your own life as well. At just the right time, God intervened or God showed you something. And now is not the right time the political atmosphere uh, in Rome around the Jewish people and everything is so volatile right now and it's going to get worse that if Jesus would be seen to be the king, they they see him as the prophet. But what if they saw him as the king when they're under oppression from the Roman rule? I think the temptation would be to try to get out from underneath this Roman oppression and have our nation be built up to the way we'd like it to be again. And Jesus wants them to see far beyond that. And we dealt a lot with that this past year too, where Christians even figured if, if the right king, if you will, were on the throne here, then our lives as Christians would be under control. And if the wrong king gets in, it's going to go downhill fast for God's people. We still have that idea of thinking of Jesus as this political person that's going to influence the political world in which we live, but that's not what Jesus wants them to understand. He's going to reveal later that, yes, you say I'm a king, but I'm not the kind of king you think I am, nor am I the kind of king that you expect me to be. He's a much more significant king than that in a kingdom that is uh, one that has not been fully seen ever before. And so, right now, even though Peter gives a very good answer uh, Peter gets the star on his page for giving the right answer today. But you'll see, next time, he doesn't have a very good perspective yet. In part because of the atmosphere that they live in. And because he's still just limited in his understanding. Can you imagine what it would have been like for you and I to stand before Jesus and try to take in all that he is and then articulate it and share him correctly in the world. We still do it wrong. You and I, though, we have uh, been given the task, as the disciples were, their, their task is about ready to take place, Ours is already here upon us because of where we are in history and our relationship to Jesus and what he's done for us through the cross, the grave, and his resurrection. We have been given the task of showing the world who Jesus really is. That's always been the call of God's people. Again, if if you're part of the going through scripture in a year, Uh, with us, you should be recognizing some of the things that are being revealed already back in Genesis and Exodus, and we're, what, halfway through or whatever, halfway through the book of Exodus now. We should be seeing things in there that keep coming back up in Scripture, and God had already revealed a little bit of that back then. I will make you a a kingdom of priests. it already been revealed. Peter would give that reminder later on. But this has always been the way God works. Look at Isaiah 43. What a wonderful chapter. We we often go to it in different reasons. But it says in verse 10 there, excuse me, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am He. Before me no God was formed, nor there, nor shall there be any after me. Already at this time in, in God's working with His people, Isaiah was conveying this idea, um, God was doing it through Isaiah, that you are witnesses for me, that I am exactly who I have been showing you to be, And I am exactly who I claim to be. Because a lot of times, as we've seen already in our readings, the people seem to forget and they miss the fact that he's that powerful. But you're you're the witnesses for him. So that you can let the world know that God is the almighty God. And there's no one else. No one holds a candle to him. I want to put that in context for us as we finish here. I think that should be able to stand on its own, but I want you to understand the richness in which these this, this verse, verse 10, is given. So I'm going to go back to verse 1 of chapter 43. <clears throat> these are also very familiar and comforting words for many of us. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Can you already hear what God is trying to say? And can you already see where this has already been revealed to his people are ready from the dawn of creation. And now Isaiah is bringing it to light. I created you. I called you by name. We sang that song. And when you pass through the waters, as the people of Israel did, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, remember those three boys? You shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as a ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you.
1: Because you are
0: precious in my eyes and honored and I love you, I give men in 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 return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not. I am with you. Second time. Uh, we need that constant reminder. You don't need to fear when you understand who God is and that He's still in control of all things. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone, Who is called by my name. Whom I created for my glory. Whom I formed and made. Bring out the people. What people? Bring out the people who are blind. Yet have eyes. Who are deaf. Yet have ears. Just where we've been here already in our understanding of Mark. People that have eyes but cannot see ears and they cannot hear. Bring those people, God says. And the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witness to prove them right. And let them hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, again, declares the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen. That you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. God has always called us to be witnesses for him. The people of Israel had opportunity all along the way to give glory to God. Even in their sinful moments, people were actually asked, told, Give glory to God. Tell me, what did you do? Confess before God and He will cleanse you. David had to come into that circumstance. But we are the witnesses for God. We are now the witnesses for Jesus Christ as the one who saves, the one who formed us, the one who walks with us. We know, first from Scripture, who our Savior is. And we're getting a growing understanding of that as we read through the gospel according to Mark, and we're getting a growing understanding of why that makes so much sense as we're reading through all of Scripture again. And you and I get to be His witness. You and I have the wonderful task of revealing Jesus to the world so that they can see, because brothers and sisters, when you're still on the outside, you don't see so clearly yet. And the world needs people like you and me to go out and tell people who Jesus really is. And as we grow in our understanding of that and are reminded of it afresh again, it should encourage us to make sure that what people really know most about us is who we belong to, whose name we have. We get to be witnesses of that person to the world. Do you see who Jesus is? Are you ready to go out and be his witness? Let's pray. Jesus, what a wonderful privilege to be able to introduce the Savior of the world to the world. People have been called upon to introduce the the noble person that comes into the room, the president, the king, uh, the governor, whoever it might be, the speaker of the day, to, to be able to announce the one that's here among us to speak to us. And it is our great privilege as people who have been redeemed by your very life and death and resurrection to be the ones that herald the good news into the world. Our world needs your people to be your voice, to be your witnesses. And so as we continue to grow in our understanding of who you are, and as we are reaffirmed again today through your word about who you are, our, our prophet and priest and king, you are the anointed one. You are my Savior. Help us, Jesus, to go out in the world in your name and bring light to your kingdom. You have made us a kingdom and priests. You have made us a light in this world. Equip us and encourage us to do just that, that we may go out and proclaim saving faith In your name.